You should be very proud of your son. He gives without any thought of reward. Well, he knows nothing of greed. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Planet Film Network podcast feed. Welcome back to uh, what is now officially episode two of One Hour Movie. I am one of your hosts, Sean Monk. And I'm your other host, TJ Cornwell. And today we are going to be talking about uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Um, we're going to be going through episodes one, two, and three in the coming weeks. Um, obviously, episode one being this week, episode two next week, and then episode three the following week, week leading into uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show coming out on Disney+. Plus. Um, so I'm, you know, Sean, I'm very excited to sit here today and talk about this movie. Um, As am I. As am and, I. Yeah. And uh, it's been the, I think it's been, the, it's a, it's been a long time since I watched this. Uh you know, I don't know how long exactly. It's probably at least a year. Um, but, you know, I was excited to sit down with it again. It's probably the least, the one I've seen the least out of the three, I want to say, prequels. Um, either that or Revenge of the Sith. Don't ask me why I've seen probably the worst one the most. <laughs> wow. Um, that is but, yeah, surprising. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to sit down and discuss it uh, today. Nice. Uh, yeah, like I said, as am I, um, a very a uh, keystone moment in the Star Wars franchise and a big uh you know kind of crown jewel in the in the crown of Kenobi um if you will with the mm-hmm. man the myth the legend that we are doing this in honor of um so one thing that we will be doing uh and I should say right now as well uh, if you haven't given it a listen yet, you could go back a week and check out uh, the inaugural episode of One Hour Movie about uh, Doctor Strange, uh, the first Doctor Strange from 2016. We talked all about that one. This will be very similar uh, in terms of like how we kind of discuss it and everything. But one thing I do want to throw in here with uh, the Star Wars prequels we're going to be doing over the next three weeks is kind of tying it back to uh kenobi and what and kind of how that character has grown and evolved over the years um and obviously we can speak on you know the original trilogy in terms of kenobi Mm. as well uh you know but mainly ewan mcgregor as kenobi uh, as well as maybe a little james arnold taylor there how the clone wars uh kind of in helped inform some of the uh, backstory for these movies and how these movies kind of informed the Clone Wars and how that developed the characters and everything. So we might cover a whole bunch of stuff, but at its core, we are going to be talking about these three films, starting with The Phantom Menace today. Now, the first question I want to ask you, TJ, is when did you, or when at least uh, in your memory, do you remember first seeing this film? And yeah. what was your relationship with Star Wars at the time? Was this the first Star Wars anything that you've seen, or mm-hmm. how did you kind of come to this movie? Um, no. Uh, so when I first watched it, I honestly could not. Like, I don't really have a vivid memory um, of when I first watched it. If I had to take a guess, it was probably in elementary school at some point. Um, my friend, my one friend, uh, throughout you know elementary school, middle school. Um, and even in high school, mostly, um, he, he had all the star Wars movies, uh, one through six on DVD at the time. So I think, so that was the first place, which we'll get into when we get to the movie, but I watched revenge of the Sith with him. 
Um, and I think I watched one and two as well with him. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, you know, first movie being, it wasn't my first Star Wars movie. Um, I think the first one I saw, actually, I want to say the first one I saw was Return of the Jedi. Uh, so the last, <laughs> the last one I saw it on VHS, uh, my friend uh, down the street from me actually let me borrow it. And I probably watched it a good few times um, with my dad and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've I've definitely seen one, maybe some of the least. Um, and you know, it's I for me like three is the best one out of the three. But I think one is definitely a second second best in in the in the prequel trilogy. Um, but yeah, it's not. It's if I had to like make an educated guess, it's probably it's probably when I saw it as around elementary school time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, I um, I would definitely say it had to be elementary school for sure. Um, I I think either my first Star Wars movie was either Revenge of the Sith in theaters might have been the mm-hmm. first time I ever saw Star Wars, um, but I feel like I probably watched Attack of the Clones before that. Just because when mm. Revenge of the Sith came out, I was six, and that feels very late. Um, mm-hmm. I, I definitely feel like Star Wars was a bigger part of my life prior to that, like in kindergarten even. Um, so I probably watched Attack of the Clones, but I definitely know that I watched Phantom Menace for the first time after seeing Revenge of the Sith in theaters. Um, mm. And then in terms of the original trilogy, I really have no idea. Um, I, th- I think it was, it had to have been right around that time. I think probably after Revenge of the Sith came out, I probably sat down and, and got my hands on, uh, you know, from probably Blockbuster or something. And we did own, uh, the VHS, the VHSs mm-hmm. as well of the original trilogy, but I think we probably went to Blockbuster, got, got, uh, Phantom Medicine and Attack of the Clones, um, to kind of fill me in because I loved it so much. I do. And I, I should say because I have said it on the podcast before I did, I did see attack of the clones in theaters. I was three years mm-hmm. old. Uh, and I very much do not remember everything. Uh, attack of the clones and chamber of secrets were the first two movies I went to the, the theaters for. Um, so I don't really have a lot of memory of that. Um, but in terms of first full star Wars viewing in the theater, it was definitely revenge of the Sith. Um, so when I, when I was, you know, informed like, Oh, well, all this drama that you just watched unfold, you know, there's these two other, uh, installments that you can, you know, see what led up to this. See, see what happened Mm -hmm. with Anakin. There's a, you know, there's a whole movie where Anakin's a little child. Uh, and I was like, Oh wow, that sounds awesome. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, uh, first viewing, I would say I, you know, we're obviously of a younger generation. Uh, we were mm-hmm. both alive when The Phantom Menace came out, uh, barely, Correct, yeah. but we were both alive. <laughs> um, so we definitely are of a different generation of we did not have the, uh, you know, four, five, and six is Star Wars, and then the kind of, oh, my God, what is this? You know, we didn't have the mm-hmm. recoil. It was just like we're just watching it, you know, as a piece of this, you know, six-part franchise um, and so for me, I loved it. Like the, like the young me, the very first time I saw this, I was like, 
you know, oh, this is really goofy and fun, and, you know, and I, I really like this, and then I remember it was, like, very dark, obviously, with some of the places that this mm-hmm. movie goes at the end with Darth Maul, uh, as well as even just, like, full spoilers, by the way, even just, uh, you know, Qui-Gon's funeral, I remember watching uh, the scene where they're burning, you know, I was burning like, I was like, why are they burning his boat? Why is he on fire? Yeah. Uh, and it's like, oh, he's dead. Um, okay, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I will say I really loved it. And then it's hard for me because it's it's not like I can say that's how I thought about it then and then say now revisiting it as an adult. I've probably watched this movie at least twice a year for the past 20 years. You know what I mean? Mm. Maybe not 20 years, like the past like 18 years. So it's like, Mm. I don't know how to say that's how I thought about it. Then this is how I thought about it, you know, in high school, because it's like, I don't know where the line is. It's just at some point, you know, I took in all other Star Wars media. um, And then that kind of informed my opinion on this. Where I'm at with this movie now is I still I love this movie. I mean, I think it's I think it's fantastic Star Wars. Um, I think it's one of Mm -hmm. the best Star Wars movies, Uh, not in terms of filmmaking. We'll talk about that a lot. I feel like that distinction over these next three weeks of not necessarily in terms of filmmaking, but in terms of being great Star Wars. uh, I think this one is one of the best um you know two two and a half hours of star wars uh that we've ever gotten uh, and i still feel that way mm. i think that qui-gon jinn is an amazing character uh learning about and meeting you know obi-wan kenobi at the youngest point uh in his life that we've seen on the big screen was so good um meeting kind of the even though leia technically came first you know Leia's mother and the the predecessor of this strong female character in Padme uh, with Natalie Portman. That was fantastic. And then uh, Jake Lloyd as Anakin and and, uh, Palpatine and and everything in between with Darth Maul. There's so much great stuff to be seen and enjoyed in this Mm -hmm. movie, including Jar Jar, I would say, for me at least. Um, You know, (laughs) things go up and down and, uh, you know, is it the best character in the entire saga? No. Um, no. but man, did I enjoy his triple jump ability in the complete saga. You know what I mean? Um, it's, away. it's gone. I know. I, I know. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, really enjoyed it then. Uh, still a super big fan of it now. Uh, where were kind of your first thoughts on this movie? You know, the first couple times you'd seen and then kind of how, how does it strike you now when you, when you watch it, whenever you're in a star Wars mood? Yeah, um, I think probably the first few times I watched it, um, it's always good to have, you know, more Star Wars. I enjoy uh, watching, you know, whether whatever trilogy I'm feeling, like, kind of all the way through. So whether it be, you know, prequel, original, sequel, mm-hmm. um, it's always good to start off with, you know, a decent one. And I'm sure when this came out, you know, again, just kind of how um, uh, Force Awakens was, it was like, oh, my God, like. You know, we're getting another one, like, what is it, 30-some years later? Um, you know, after this long hiatus, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure it must have been, like, a culture shock, like, you know, and for people, obviously, you know, going to see it, it wasn't that well-liked, but, you know, mm-hmm. as, you know, people have grown up, people like you and me, um, who grew up with the prequel trilogy, you know, there's a lot of prequel apolo- apologists, I'd say, yeah. uh, now. Yeah. Um, 
watching it now, um, you know, it's, I don't know if I'd agree with you where I would say it's the best, like two hours of like, you know, some of the best star Wars, you know, um, it, as a movie, it lacks in a lot of different spaces. Um, but I did enjoy the, like the pod racing, all this kind of world building with Tatooine, um, the whole kind of, you know, you get hints of the uh, rule of two in the beginning where Yoda's like, you know, there's always two of them. You know, we don't know if we killed the master or the apprentice, but there's always two. Um, and all this kind of, and you know, and the relationship between like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and Anakin um, and obviously Padme and Anakin, you start to see that blossom, even though, you know, it, it watching it, I was like, we've made, maybe we've made Anakin a little bit older or maybe Padme a little bit younger to make it not the age gap that it is yeah um because i don't know how old padme is supposed to be or anakin supposed to be but anakin looks like he's like eight <laughs> maybe yeah he's supposed to be nine <laughs> nine yeah. yeah and padme's what like 16 <laughs> yeah something like yeah, that so you know a little, something a little weird but um yeah i really enjoy the world building uh not so much you know jar jar uh i you know i told you that you know you know his dialogue and everybody else's dialogue in that area uh the gungans dialogue was just not good <laughs> mm -hmm. um and i also noticed watching it this time that they always refer to naboo as the naboo they never call it like naboo hmm. which i don't know why that's like a thing i i don't know but um yeah i i you know i enjoy this i'd say i enjoy it um, again, it's got its problems, but you know, uh, it's definitely, I thought it was, it's definitely a good start into, you know, the world and what we're building up to and how we get there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I just want to kind of dive into, uh, at the top here, how do you feel about Qui-Gon as a character, as a kind of, um, you know, I would say as kind of the lead of this movie, you know, even though he's, he doesn't have, you know, I would say the screen time is pretty split between a lot of different characters, but in terms of mm -hmm. like, he's kind of the anchor of this story. Yeah. Uh, you know, how, how do you feel about that? And Liam Neeson, you know, being in this and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought Liam Neeson did, does like a great job in this, in this movie. Um, and as Qui-Gon, uh unfortunately obviously they couldn't really expand on the character that much because he does die at the end um but something i did notice actually like just speaking on that character uh you know qui-gon is not that he's similar to anakin in a way that qui-gon is not on the con, con the jedi council uh same with like anakin it's in that same way where it's like they're kind of going a different path that they don't agree with so they don't let him be on the console why can't i say council council <laughs> um and i thought that was kind of interesting to see like you know he says that he's gonna be you know you'll be my apprentice you can watch me you know you can't i think the rule is like you can't act or anything on anything that i do because it's not like sanctioned or whatever they want to call it mm -hmm. um but I thought that was interesting to kind of see those two things where it's like he kind of obviously, you know, Qui-Gon doesn't go to the dark side or anything. But, you know, Anakin as well as you could see in the third one, it's like he wants to be on the Jedi, the um, Jedi Council and 
they just won't let him. Mm-hmm. And it's just around kind of the same thing as Qui-Gon. Well, as, you know, Qui-Gon wants to, you know, train him, obviously. You know, he doesn't. The Jedi Council it, doesn't It agree. just goes to lay the groundwork uh, that we see right. not only in these three movies, but majorly, majorly in, in Clone Wars, especially with, um, obviously, the 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 final episode final arc in season five with ahsoka Mm. being uh you know ahsoka's trial and then kind of the failure of the council and then uh you especially see you know yeah you especially (laughs) see their arrogance and you know kind of hypocrisy really when Mm -hmm. you know mace is the first one to be like oh get her out of here you know type it like right he's ready Mm -hmm. to you know be like yep she's out you know try her sentence her to whatever you want and then as soon as it's revealed that that she's innocent, you know, he's the first to be like, well, you know, Ahsoka, uh, the Force <laughs> works in mysterious ways. You know, this was your trial. Yeah. You're a Jedi Knight uh, now. How about that? And yeah, she's yeah. like, no. no. You know, in this similar <laughs> way that, you know, Qui-Gon is, uh, is saying no in the face of uh, even still, even back then, uh, you know, 10 right. years before the Clone Wars. Mace Windu and Yoda, you know, the same two, uh, um, you know, head members of the council, mm. which I think, again, shows you, you know, how little things change uh, with the council, you know, is that you look at a decade apart, it's still Yoda and Mace Windu calling the shots, you know what I mean? It's like they, they have so such little change um, right. in themselves uh, that, you know... And all they sense, it's ironic because they're worried about Anakin's fear, but them turning him down is them giving into their fear. Yeah, Yeah, not only is it leading him down that path, but them saying, we we can't take him because we sense too much fear in him. Well, what do you mean? So you're afraid then you know they're giving into their own yeah. fear um and and that stuff i really really enjoy um just that whole kind of it really reminds me of clone wars with those aspects where it's just you know mm-hmm. the jedi just being so full of themselves and also just so mm-hmm. oblivious to uh you know they're just so misguided <laughs> and, and, and yeah. re- it really all starts in this film yeah and some would say, you know, maybe too oblivious, which I do agree with at points where it's like, mm-hmm. come on, it's like right yeah. in front of you. Like yeah. You sense it. You just don't know. <laughs> what Especially it is. in the Clone Wars <laughs> when you realize, you know, okay, they found out that, you know, you find out an attack of the clones. I was hired by a man called Tyrannus. Well, mm. then in the Clone Wars, you find out that Dooku is Tyrannus. So, yeah. Uh, and then they're just kind of, you know, and then that's another great arc in the Clone Wars of literally Yoda says, you know, kept quiet, this must, you know, like, mm. <laughs> you know, public may never know. Um, it just goes to show you how far their fear and kind of what they're doing. And the ironic thing is, are the Jedi losing their way? absolutely mm-hmm. is mace windu um a hypocrite for repeatedly giving into his own fear to ensure the survival and the mm-hmm. safety and his way that he thinks the jedi should be absolutely but you also have to remember linking it back to phantom menace that 
throughout all three of these movies, as well as the war, there is a phantom menace. Palpatine Mm -hmm. is the one manipulating all of these situations to lead them to that point. I feel like people, like, you know, people forget that sometimes they're like, man, these Jedi, they don't know. Well, it's Palpatine Palpatine. putting them in these unwinnable situations that Yoda, you know, who has lived for 900 years says our best course of action is to just sweep it under the rug because we don't know what's going on. And it's all because Mm. of Palpatine who we see really first start to get his hooks in in this movie um so on that note i know you're a big fan of him he's your favorite character in all of star wars <laughs> um what did you think uh, of ian mcdarmott you know we saw him in the original trilogy obviously uh-huh but really getting to sink his teeth into the character of sheev palpatine and the senator yeah. and kind of playing the system what did you think about yeah, that yeah. whole angle here uh well real quick i that's on this rewatch, I don't think I ever realized how much Palpatine's actually in the movie. Yeah. Uh, whether it be in hologram form, um, talking to the Trade Federation, or uh, just in person as you know Senator Chief Palpatine, as you were saying. Uh, but no, I, I thought it was great. I, I love seeing uh, the him as a senator, and I think you know something this movie really is big on in the original trilogy is or the prequel trilogy is big on is the kind of politics of everything mm-hmm. and me i'm not a big like politic guy but i do find you know this kind of stuff interesting like how he you know kind of is coming to mm-hmm. power and it's how like he's maneuvers. kind of manipulating uh, you know he's like you know we'll get her to sign the treaty and then like you know he's saying two different things and he's playing both sides and i think it's really interesting to see how he can kind of you know like a snake like slither his way up to the top mm-hmm uh and defeat uh terrence stamp as the uh supreme chancellor criminally um. <laughs> wasted in this movie criminally wasted yeah, i in didn't this even movie. i literally i literally saw him and i was like that guy looks really familiar yeah. i was like is that the guy from uh ha- haunted mansion <laughs> haunted Man- yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like oh yeah it is. Okay. get general zod um, in here and you know his yeah. big moment is i vote to move you know i move for a vote of no confidence and he just goes one of the like kind of uh quite like interesting things that don't make like a ton of sense in this movie is like the the political landscape lo- moves very quickly yeah and all of a sudden we're voting on supreme chancellors and it's like how did we get to all she said was i vote no confidence and then everybody was like well now we all have to vote mm-hmm it's like just because Queen Amidala said she doesn't have any confidence in him doesn't mean that everybody else has to vote on whether they have confidence in him or not. It was one person. I think the idea was that <laughs> – well, I think that's the idea is that I would assume it's just a rule in there that if someone calls yeah. for that, you know, if – like that she called vote, for it, but one. if it passes, yeah, then it passes. She could have said I call right, for a vote yeah. of no confidence and they could be like, yeah, you know, get out of here. We, You know, we love this mm. guy. <laughs> you know, and just and, and I don't know if that it. was a was if that was a problem people had with it originally, where it's like everything moves very quickly, mm-hmm. where it's kind of like what what is going on? like okay he's in power now yeah. like all right and uh, you know um, and that's something I noticed, but it, it is very interesting to see Palpatine's kind of rise to power, um, and you know you get a lot more of that in uh, the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I thought he again. I thought he was fantastic. He's fantastic in all these movies. I mean, yeah. he's just doing his thing. He loves playing that part. I will make it legal. You know, <laughs> love that. Oh yeah, that is yes. Uh, so great. Yeah, Ian McDiarmid's really good. Whether it's you know those the earliest scenes with, you know, I believe, might be mistaken, but do we see? Sidious first or Palpatine first? Because um, you see Sidious first. Yeah, that's right. Because he's talking to Nuke Gunray first, and then mm. you see um, Sheev's hologram of being, you know, talking mm. about the ambassadors uh, to, uh, you know, Seal Bibble and and Amidala and all them uh, in the palace. Mm. Just automatically, right off the bat, you know, just getting that uh, kind of dichotomy between the two different the two different versions of the same character, Ian McDarm is just mm-hmm. so good at that. Um, again, speaking about Kenobi, what we're leading up to, the closer we get, the you know, the more heavier it is rumored that he's going to, in some form, you know, appear in, in Kenobi, um, mm-hmm. which I am, you know, super excited for, super on board for. Uh, and even people have, you know, I, people have floated the idea that, you know, what if we could see him in Andor, not even as the Emperor, but as, you know, things we've seen in Battlefront 2 and uh, Rebels as the public oh, yeah. face Palpatine of the, like, you know, thank you for being in the Empire, you know, like, you know, like on a <laughs> billboard or something. Yeah. I think that, you know, that would be fantastic to see in live action. But, you know, it really all stems from this because before this, you know, the Emperor is just the Emperor. You know, he's just... I'm afraid the battle, you know, like, you know, I, I am a Jedi like my father before me, you know, then you will die. Mm. You know, like this, just this menacing evil. Uh, and this was really where we got to see the, the first side, like, you know, the first look at the, the two different sides, which has lasted, you know, all the way up to now. Um, but I do want to move on to Obi-Wan, Anakin, Padme, but what I really want to jump into is kind of, how do you like the whole, uh, or I guess, let's just go with Tatooine. So we talked a little bit about <laughs> kind of the Naboo stuff and, and Palpatine and everything. Um, but I think that some of the absolute strongest stuff in this movie is uh, actually with Shmi Skywalker and her interactions with Qui-Gon. Um, the interactions uh, between her and Anakin. Um, and then also, you know, ki- kind of how all that goes down. Um, and I think one of one of the best lines in this that really like gets to me, uh, you know, not crying, but like you know, it does get me a little emotional every time I see it. Is like, you know, as soon as he finds out that he's gonna be freed, it's like he has this immediate kid response of like, oh man, you know, like screw you guys, oh, yeah. I'm getting out of here, you know, like ah, oh, like yeah. let's get let's go. <clears throat> and then he has mm-hmm. that moment where he he realized like you kind of see it on jake lloyd's face that like you know he realizes and he's like you know what about my mom she's coming too Mm -hmm. right and it's like sorry buddy you know that's not the not the way the cookie crumbles what you know how do you how do you feel about shmi and everything yeah i mean i thought him and his mom i thought anakin and shmi have like the greatest interactions um same with shmi and um qui-gon um, but you know, like that relationship with his mom is like so key to, I feel like his ultimate downfall mm-hmm. later on is, 
you know, he's like he he's goes before the council and he's they're like, oh, I sense, you know, fear and sadness. It's like, well, yeah, I'm like nine years old and you just took me away from my only the mm-hmm. only person I've known. Yeah. Like, well, not only that, but the only, the only planet I've ever known, the only town I've ever known, probably yeah. the only uh-huh. street I've ever known. You know what yeah. I mean? Like and sometimes I think it, it really comes down to like. And this is kind of a little off track a little bit, but sometimes, you know, the Jedi, they just expect a little too much. I think mm-hmm. they, they, you know, like, and I get obviously Qui-Gon, you know, he couldn't take us, uh, me, unfortunately. Um, it ends up, you know, she ends up down the line, obviously the next movie dying, unfortunately, but, Rip. um, you know, I think her love for Anakin, uh, and she sees something greater in him and her push to get Qui-Gon to, you know, take, uh, take him, uh, I think, you know, is really big for the relationship. Um, and he, you know, Qui-Gon tried, he tried to set her free, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, they weren't having it. They weren't having it. No, not at all. Um, yeah, I, I just really enjoy, uh, you know, especially that conversation of, you know, when, just her as a mother being strong enough mm-hmm. to say, you know, not like, you know, it, it, they didn't go the route of like, no, you can't, you know, you can't take him away. Like that's, you know, he's all I have type of thing. Like, cause really without her, right. uh, and this is kind of, you know, what goes into Anakin being upset and stuff and feeling like it's his responsibility is without her, she's alone. You know, she has Watto, mm, right. uh, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, obviously, Watto is yeah. a terrible, you know, person. He's a slave owner. But for all intents mm. and purposes, it doesn't seem like, at the very least, like that they're being abused or, you know, like that it's... Right. I never got that because I feel like there are very small glimpses of Watto's humanity Yeah, where he i think at the end when he's like arguing with qui-gon he's like you swindled me yeah and then you know qui-gon said something or whatever he's like he's like just t- just take the boy mm-hmm. you know yeah like i think he knows too like you know this kid you know yeah he, he doesn't he's not this isn't his life like he's yeah. he's going on someplace else yeah and on that note you know you when you like exactly what you just said the exact line you just said of you know when he mm-hmm. goes you know take the boy just in that line, it's like you can feel that it's like you feel all these things. And, and granted, if you're just watching it to watch it and you're like, this movie, mm. you know, sucks or whatever, <laughs> you're, sucks. Not gonna, you're not going to look into those things. Yeah. You're not going to feel those things. But if you take a second to look, when he says something like that, it's like mm. Watto is like, you know, I don't sure I have him. But it's like, do I really want to keep this kid from having a shot because Watto's stuck on Tatooine too you know what I mean like (laughs) you know he's like this kid has a shot to have a life outside of all this shit you know like just take him and then you see the other side of that when he sees him in Attack of the Clones and he's genuinely like oh my god you did it like he's like you literally did it like he's genuinely happy and enthusiastic not only to see Anakin but to see that he became a Jedi Surprised Anakin didn't go back and kill Watto. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> he sold um, his mom. So I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's it called? Um, but yeah, I I really enjoy that stuff. And like you said, uh, the the bet and everything, and that kind of brings us to I think what uh, inarguably, in my opinion, is mm-hmm. one of the best 
uh, 10 to 15 minutes in Star Wars history of the Padres scene. Um, say what you will about the uh, the announcers, but the sequence oh itself. God, I wanted them to shut up so badly. Oh, that's God. gotta hurt. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> say what you will uh, about the announcers and everything, but the actual scene itself, what is at mm-hmm. stake with the race, um, and then obviously just the visuals and the the sound design and the John Williams music. Uh, you know, it's one of the best sequences in this movie, hands down. Uh, might even be the best sequence in this movie. Um, one of the best sequences in the prequels for sure. Um, but uh, what did you think of? What did you think of it? How did? How did? How do you remember? You know, seeing the pod race as a kid, uh, and then like now, you know. Mm. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't remember anything about the pod racing as a kid. If I'm yeah. being honest, the only thing I remember is playing the level and complete saga. Like fair enough um but no it, it is riveting it's very loud yeah uh, i probably adjusted my sound at least twice uh but no i think it's great world building and it seems like from what we know pot racing is only a thing on tatooine i don't believe it's a thing anywhere else we uh, do could be see wrong. it on a tv screen uh like in canon it it, it is other places but it's very oh, rare okay. Uh, but they they okay. it is on one of the screens in the in the nightclub uh, in Attack of the Clones. Um, oh. It's on one of the screens, so it does happen okay. elsewhere in like in Legends and mm-hmm. stuff, like Han pod raced and mm, yeah, right. But um, but yeah, I thought it was excellent world building. You know, building on these things that you know people like to do, um, and how you know it's very dangerous. You know, we got these Tuscan Raiders on these hills just shooting these. You know these guns at all these helpless racers are trying to win some money um but yeah the announcers were awful um but you know we get uh sabalba we get him um we get some other you know cast of characters that ben I, don't, I, don't, I don't know the, <laughs> which one's he he's the one that's like he's all head he's like oh, <laughs> that one. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one thing one one thing i will say though about the pod racing though is and this is something I felt throughout the movie is I feel like Star Wars never misses on sound design. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my favorite, I think um, I'm trying to think of who my favorite like pod noise would be. Um, I love the like. It's probably Sabalba's. I oh, think yeah, Sabalba yeah. has like the coolest one. Um, but that is what that was something I was thinking while I was watching that scene or that, you know, that 15 minute scene or whatever it is. Yeah. That's if 15 minute races, you know, these sounds are so cool and it really puts you like kind of there, um, which I think Star Wars has always like excelled at. <clears throat> I, I'd love to see. I don't know if they have any behind the scenes because, you know, you've seen some of those videos where it's like, oh, this is where we found the blaster noise or this is where we found mm-hmm. the lightsaber noise. Like, I, I would love to see like a video where it's like, oh, this is, you know, how we came up with the sounds for the different pod racers. Yeah, I don't I, know if that exists, but it might. Honestly, it probably does somewhere. Uh, I'm sure if you looked up like Ben Burt pod race sounds or something, it would be like, yeah, it would be like, and this is where we, you know, we put a cable under tension and then, you know, hit it. I think that yeah. was like, that was for one the of them black, where yeah. it was like, they like, it's for the banged, blaster. Yeah, they banged a wrench on like a telephone uh-huh. pole or a tele, uh-huh. yeah, wire or whatever. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I agree with you 100%. The sound design and the pod race and and really the whole movie too uh 
especially like the in the end sequence too with with all the oh man just bring it up again because of this movie but also mando um i almost said mando season two sorry book of boba fett um mm-hmm. <laughs> with the n1 the n the n1s look oh, so yeah. freaking slick in this movie like i mean it looks you know cg ish you know but you know it still looks pretty good in mm-hmm. my opinion uh and just seeing all those ships those shiny freaking sleek like uh fighters uh just looks so awesome um and then of course you get anakin you know i'll try spinning that's a good trick uh <laughs> but um yeah how did you feel about the, the kind of the end battle in this do you feel like there was enough going on because it kind of had that star wars thing uh you know where kind of every movie adds another element where it's like the the finale of the movie you know is jumping between all these different things because you have uh you know the lightsaber duel, which we will definitely get to in a minute. Um, you have the lightsaber duel going on. Mm-hmm. You kind of have the Panaka and Padme um, trying to trying to get to Newt Gunray to take back the palace. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also have uh, Anakin and the other fighters in space trying to actually take down the core ship. Um, how did you kind and you of have the droids? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you also have the. <laughs> Um, yeah. you know, what the, about the droid attack on the Wookiees? Um, you yeah, have the, yeah. you know, the droid attack and it, against the Gungans and, uh, Jar Jar mm-hmm. and everything. So w- how did you kind of feel about the finale in this? Um, do you feel like there was like too much going on or do you enjoy it all? <laughs> Where'd you kind of um, go with this? I'll be honest, like just watching it again, like I kind of wish it was just all the duel with Maul, Qui-Gon mm-hmm. and Obi-Wan. Um, I, I think that's probably how, like, you know, the majority of people feel. Um, I felt like it also went on a little bit long because, you know, we have these four different things. And, you know, in order for, you know, the in order for Jar Jar and them to win the fight, Anakin has to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you can't have that thing without the other. And the other two are kind of separate um, in a way. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought I thought, you know it was interesting to see these four different things converging. Um, but in the end, I do wish, I feel like we got, I wish we got more, you know, lightsaber duel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that as well. Um, I was happy with, I would say I was happy with the amount of how long the duel was just because mm-hmm. to that point, I mean, it is might even still be, um, like by far the longest lightsaber duel that we've mm. gotten. Um, that might still be true. I can't really think though, uh, because like in the sequel trilogy, we got some pretty long scenes, but like the Praetorian guard fight, that's not really a lightsaber duel. That's people fighting people with lightsabers. You know what I mean? But it's mm-hmm. not lightsaber on lightsaber. And then in uh, even in Rise of Skywalker. Is there a lightsaber duel in Rise of Skywalker? Oh yeah, there's there's uh, two. There's um Oh, with Ray and Kylo. Ray and Kylo on the Death oh, Star. And then Ray and Kylo yeah. with the flipping back and forth. Um Right. Yeah. yeah. So that that one was pretty good. But I think unadulterated, this is still 
the longest lightsaber fight. So I was happy with the length, but I do agree with you on, I think there was maybe one too many things all happening at the same time. I think you really could have... Oh, yeah, continue. And I'd say the the Gungan droid fight is more played for laughs, if anything. Um, and even, I guess, kind of, you know, the two serious ones are Maul Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, and then we have Padme mm-hmm. as well. And I'd say those two are the more serious kind of, because, um, you know, you're really not sure. Well, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Maul and all them, but... You know, you're also not sure when Padme gets pinned down. You know, they blast the window open, and it's kind of a serious moment. But then you have Jar Jar kind of just running around making a mess, mm-hmm. you know, actually helping in ways he's not trying to help. Um, and then Anakin just has his little quips while he's, you know, flying the flying the ship. Yeah. Um, he's like, oh, see you later. Yeah. Uh, says, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And two of those two things are those two events are kind of played more for laughs while the yeah. other two are more serious. And, you know, it, it kind of balances itself out, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, you know, get, I, I really needed a, a less Gungan Jar Jar. That's and maybe more of the other three. Or... I feel like a way that you – and I'm literally – I promise mm-hmm. anyone listening right now and you, just as you were just talking, I was just, I just was thinking of this. And I've never really thought of it before because – after all these years, I've, we've never, I've never really sat down and analytically like looked over this movie like we're doing right now, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. Uh, I think to combine some of those and kind of make them more important to each other and to the movie, you could have had like the ground battle, have Newt Gunray and them be with the droids, like have them be in like a tank or something. And then have Padme also, like, have Padme and Panaka and all them also in that ground battle and have them be, you know, have the Gungans and the droids fighting each other, but then have it be like, oh, Padme and Panaka, they're, they're going through, they're, they're, you know, stealthily or whatever, making their way through the droids to, to hit something. And then even have it be something where maybe Padme has to hit a button or has to do something on the ground and then tells Anakin, like, all right, Anakin, take him out. And then you kind of get a nice moment where all three elements are coming together. You get a nice moment mm-hmm. with uh, Padme and Anakin, you know, doing something together to kind of set that up for everything. Um, so, yeah, I think, it, I think overall the finale of the movie just felt a little disjointed to me. Um, just a little too much going on. Um, but that being said, I still enjoy it. Still like it. Um, mm-hmm. so obviously we got to talk about duel of the duel of the fates and the song duel of the fates. Absolutely incredible. The still to me continues to send chills down the spine. Absolutely. The scene and the, the song a hundred percent. Um, yeah. So kind of, kind of, what were your thoughts on the scene? Now, this I do want to get as much of a before and after as you can. How did you feel about that scene, say, three years ago? And then how did you take the whole kind of spiel and speech that Dave Filoni gave about this battle literally being 
the duel of the fates, a.k.a. the duel over the fate of Anakin Skywalker. That if this goes one way, you know, with Qui-Gon living, the whole saga is thrown on a different path. The, the, the you know, Darth Vader never happens, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's not what ends up happening. But how did you feel about um, just the sequence on its own, and then kind of uh, what it me what this fight kind of ends up meaning for the saga and for the Skywalkers and for Anakin in particular, like overall? Um, yeah, like looking back on it, like I'm gonna say, like you know, before watching it uh, most recently. Um, in the previous three years, I probably looked at this as, you know, one of the better lightsaber fights um, in the entire Star Wars kind of just uh, franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still definitely up there, obviously, you know, just that battle, the score, everything combined. Um, you know, I don't want to say it like saves the movie, but it definitely, I feel like, makes the movie. Um, and just waiting for that moment. Um but no, I, and right now, again, it's still up there for me. It's probably top five, maybe top three lightsaber duels. Um, and again, the score, crazy. Uh, but as far as like what you're mentioning with Dave Floney, and I don't remember like his exact you know words or anything, but I agree with that because you have to think like if Qui-Gon like lives, that I feel like that's, there's no, again, like Darth Vader just doesn't happen. You know, Qui-Gon was there and ready to take Anakin under his wing, whether, you know, the Jedi Council wanted it to happen or not. Um, and he was willing to to train him. And, you know, this is kind of left with something on Obi-Wan's shoulders where he is, you know, he's left at a moment where they say he's ready for the trials, but, like, the Jedi Council is like, eh, are you really, you know, like, Qui-Gon kind of has to, like, convince them that he is. Um, And, you know, maybe it kind of leaves Obi-Wan in this place where he's not, you know, he's not ready, per se. You know, he doesn't know how to deal with all the stuff that comes with training somebody. And he doesn't have the experience, like a Qui-Gon, for example, who has been through it with Obi-Wan previously. Yeah. Um, You know, who has the experience to train and kind of talk through you know, difficult things like the fear and all the, you know, the sadness and all that stuff and what it means to, you know, give in and succumb to that and, you know, go to the dark side. Uh, I, I, I completely agree. And I, I could see how that battle is, you know, looked at that way because again, like if he doesn't die, like, I just think, you know, <laughs> I just don't think we have Darth Vader. I think we just have, you know, Palpatine and, that's it probably i mean there's probably some other you know apprentice yeah. down the line but yeah um you know there's still always dooku on the table you know a dooku right yeah you won't get away this time a dooku uh <laughs> what a great character but uh yeah i mean for me it's one of those things that first of all the scene itself you know every time i've seen this movie it's just epic i mean I, I feel like I could probably speak for both of us that just, I feel like when we were younger, like very young, you know, for a while, even post-1999, mm-hmm. you know, well into the early 2000s, 
for a lot of right. people and a lot of targets and walmarts in particular darth maul was the face of star wars for for like such a long time you know what i mean like it was like oh if there's star wars merch in a store you're gonna see darth maul and then you know a little bit later probably uh you're gonna see um general grievous probably like i feel like those two mm. always were you know on the end cap uh all the time and so seeing right. Darth Maul in action, you know, with the um, with the amazing, you know, physicality and stuff by Ray Park, um, just bringing that character absolutely to life and just like screaming off of the, you know, off of the the page, you know, in, into the movie, just so great. Um, and then also just the set design. The way that the fight moves and it quite literally moves from the hangar into mm -hmm. the kind of that, you know, bottomless pit that every Star Wars movie seems to have, like generator room, um, yes. and then into uh -huh. the final kind of, uh, you know, the little the little shield, shield gate hallway, um, I think is uh, so, so great as the scene by itself. And then in terms of what Dave Filoni said, which if you don't know what we're talking about, it was this amazing like seven minute speech, just totally uncut that you can find. It's on Disney Plus right now um, in one of the episodes of uh, Star Wars Gal Gallery, um, The Mandalorian Season 1, um, which was just like absolutely fantastic i forget i don't know exactly mm -hmm. which episode it is but you could also just youtube yeah, it I don't either. um just yeah. youtube you know dave filoni duel of the fates and it'll pull right up but um what he said you know about this is the fate this is the fight for this kid's soul you know like this is what right. is going to happen to this little kid it's going to change the trajectory of his life it's going to change the course that he's set on for the rest of you know his days um, mm -hmm. it's like, it's something that I always knew and understood as a Star Wars fan, but I had never heard it put so eloquently and so perfectly and, and just so concise, you know what I mean? That he was just like, no, this is what this movie is. This is why the Phantom Menace is so important and why it's the opener of the franchise is because this is the pivotal moment in Anakin Skywalker's life that it's either... You go right or you go left. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. just that simple. It's depending on the outcome of these events, Anakin, the the, the galaxy, the, the actual movies, you know, the whole thing's changed from there. Um, and I just think that's so interesting. Uh, and if they ever did like a Star Wars what if, you know, along, you know, I feel like a lot of people go right to. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of people go right to, okay, what if what if Obi-Wan and Yoda trained Leia instead of Luke? I think a, a close mm -hmm. second would be, what if Qui-Gon lived? You know, what does that look mm -hmm. like? How does, the, how does the entire saga, you know, change and shift around that? Uh, I think would be really, really yeah. awesome to, to see. Um, but yeah, so the fight itself was fantastic. And then obviously, Qui-Gon's death uh you know to have this character that you've this brand new character that you've grown to uh learn about it you know watch follow root for and then to have him die not only is it a great moment for the movie but it's a it's a 
defining moment for the character of Obi-Wan. Um, mm-hmm. Because that really, in a split second, especially then with what Qui-Gon's last words are of, you know, promise me you'll train the boy. And he, you know, what's he going to say? Oh, you know, give me a few days to no. think about it. You know, he's, <laughs> you know, he's, he says, you know, I, I will. Um, and then now, you know, going, cutting, yeah. cutting to 20 years later, the beautiful symmetry of Obi-Wan holding Qui-Gon. And then you cut to yeah. Obi-Wan holding Darth Maul in that same position of, you know, tell me is Luke the chosen one? You know, he is. And then it's just like, what a great, you know, Obi-Wan is just such a great character and everything that he's mm. gone through. And, like, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of us, you know, maybe some of us are hoping that we get some sort of, uh, you know, dialogue with, you know, the ghost of ghost Qui-Gon with Obi-Wan on, you know, that failure. Um which I think would be really interesting. I mean, he's not going to come and be like, you promised me and you messed it up. Like, look what you did. <laughs> but yeah, like... it'll be like, you know, you did you did what I asked you to, you did the best that you could type of thing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if that's, you know, I think Liam Neeson said he's not in this, but you never know. Right, yeah. <clears throat> he said, <laughs> I'd only do Qui-Gon if it were a movie. I don't do television. But you played no. Qui-Gon in three episodes of The Clone Wars. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, Doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, kind of moving on and wrapping up the movie here. Mm. That great scene that we t- kind of talked about a little bit earlier. Um, actually, before we even get to his funeral, I want to go to Obi Wan and Yoda because you know we know now kind of Obi Wan is stepped up into the Jedi Knight realm um, mm. where he is taking on his own Padawan, even though he himself is so young. Uh, I think that's a great moment. But also, really, this is the first time that we've seen one-on-one Obi-Wan and Yoda interact, and we know how, how mm. much of an important relationship that they are going to end up having with each other. Uh, I think that that is very, very interesting. And just hearing again... Even after Qui-Gon dies and everything, hearing how hesitant and how, frankly, just annoyed Yoda is at, like, well, because it was Qui-Gon's, you know, last request, you know, mm. allow you to change to train the boy, we will, you know, like. Right. Um, and also in that scene, you really get a sense of not only Yoda's, but Obi-Wan's hesitancy. You know, he doesn't think that the he doesn't think that the boy should be trained either. The only reason that he took him on was because he promised Qui-Gon, because Qui-Gon wanted him right. to. That's it. Uh, you know, he didn't want that responsibility. He didn't feel like he was ready for it. And frankly, you can kind of tell he didn't really like Anakin. He didn't really like him that much. Right. I wouldn't <laughs> I mean, he was nice. He said, "Pleasure." He said, "Got on the ship." He said, "Pleasure to meet you." My name is Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, I mean, he calls him a he, he calls him another Obi-Wan. pathetic, useless life form. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know what I mean? That. Like he, That's I think true. he just wants. I think Obi Wan yeah. at this point in his life, and I think it's part of the character's journey is, <laughs> you know, Obi Wan at this point, he's just, you know, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to focus on me here. You know, he's like, I'm trying to get. Are there any book? 
Mm-hmm. Are there any books talking like pre what Obi Wan was pre Qui Gon? Like as like or a no. youngling. Yeah, like a yeah. Is there anything on that? Not as like a youngling. I mean, I wouldn't say youngling. Like he, what is he when he's in this episode? What like? He's a Padawan. 20? He's like nineteen. Yeah, he's like nineteen though. Yeah. So what? You give me something the twelve to sixteen range. You know. Like, well, yeah, what, but he, I mean, he was to? still with Qui Gon then. Ah, that's yeah, true. I mean, but but that's you're talking right, for some more adventures right like, there though. You're talking though. about you're talking about one of the best canon novels there is by Claudia Gray, Master and Apprentice. It's one oh, of the, one, one of the okay. best gotcha. one of the best novels there's ever been, and uh, coming out on in about twenty. Oh no, not twenty four hours. Minutes. No, in about uh, <laughs> two and a half hours here at midnight is uh, Brotherhood by Mike Chen, um, where we're finally gonna learn what that business on. Cato Nemordia was between Anakin and Obi-Wan um, when he says oh, in okay. Revenge of the Sith, you know, that business on Cato Nemordia doesn't doesn't count. That's what this book is going to be about. Um, so we're getting, mm. uh, if you want... You got that pre-ordered? Oh, oh, I've, oh yeah. Oh, I pre-ordered it like a oh, month okay. ago. Um, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to finish uh, Dark Disciple first, though. I'm, I think I have like mm-hmm. uh, an hour or two left on that. Um, but if you are listening to this and you do want... Um, Hey, here's an idea. Uh, Audible, you know, we know you love uh, podcasts. Uh, well, we love you. Um, but genuinely, you know, we are not sponsored by Audible yet, sadly. But um, Audible has some amazing Star Wars books out there. Um, and there's a lot of good Obi-Wan stuff. Um and specifically Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon stuff, if you want to, uh, you could check out uh, a new Star Wars A New Hope, A Certain Point of View. Uh, there's a great story. There's a great short story in that book, also called Master and mm-hmm. Apprentice, also written by Claudia Gray, where uh, when Luke leaves Obi-Wan in A New Hope to go, and he goes and finds Uncle Owen and Amperu dead, when Luke leaves, Obi-Wan, the, um, immediately after Luke leaves, to when he goes, you know, that would lead them mm-hmm. back home, immediately after Luke leaves, Qui-Gon comes and visits Obi-Wan, and they talk about Luke, and they mm-hmm. have all this interaction with the Alec Guinness version of Obi-Wan and everything. Um, so that's great in that book, but then also Master and Apprentice uh, by Claudia Gray is fantastic. And that's exactly what you're talking about, that... Um, Gotcha. Not only is it an adventure with the two of them, but it actually, uh, at the beginning of the book, they wanted to split up Qui Gon and Obi Wan. They were like, they, they oh, were okay. like, this ain't working out, Chief. You know, we gotta, we mm. we gotta go our separate ways, and you know, you need a new master, I need a new Padawan, type of thing. Uh, and then mm. the adventure and the kind of kinship that they form during the events of the book. Uh, is kind of what brings them to where they're at in the Phantom Menace of uh, being on the same page, you know, being being very different people, uh, but mm-hmm. nonetheless being on the same page as each other. Uh, and then let's talk about the 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 very you know the second to last scene because then we also get the the victory orb scene and uh, you know we'll be watching your career with great interest. Um, yeah, the whole orb thing. I don't. What what is the deal with that? I don't know. It's a victory orb. Okay. That's what they. That's what they call it in canon. Literally, uh, victory orb. Also, somebody we haven't mentioned the entire uh, podcast, and I feel like that's so rude. 
uh, Boss Nass, the the wonderful Boss, Boss Nass. Nass. Uh, you yeah. know. <laughs> uh, great character. <laughs> great real Star Wars-y character. But I do, last thing I want to hit on is that great um, scene at Qui-Gon's funeral where you see Anakin there, you see Padme there, you see Obi-Wan, and then you get that great interaction mm-hmm. between Mace and Yoda talking about the Rule of Two, how Yoda knows about the secret Sith Rule of Two. Don't know. Doesn't make much sense. Uh, maybe point. we'll find yeah. out in the High Republic um, <laughs> or maybe in Acolyte or something. Um, but he knows it, apparently. Always two there are. Maybe he was once a Sith. I mean, he's 900. when 900 yeah. years old, you reach, you know, experiment, yeah. you will. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe Plagueis came a knocking. Kind of like, uh, kind of like uh, Doc Strange. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, uh, the ancient sweating. one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we do get that great interaction of, you know, always two, no more, no less. Uh, but wi- And then Mace's, you know, great but which was destroyed, the master or the apprentice. And then that amazing mm. pull-out tracking shot straight to Sheev Palpatine uh, standing right <laughs> next to them, just really oh, setting us be. up uh, for the rest of this trilogy, really living mm. up to the name of the Phantom Menace of who is this, who is doing this to us, who is manipulating us. And for three movies, he is right there. I mean, he is right there, right with them every right step of, of the them. way. Um, and I, I just absolutely love it. Um, so what are, what are your kind of thoughts on the closing of this movie and uh, some of your overall thoughts before we uh, go ahead and wrap up here? Yeah, I thought it was a great it's – a, it's a great ending. Uh, celebration is cool. I don't need the celebratory orb thing. But the funeral is, is very uh, powerful. As uh, as like you, when I first watched it when I was a kid, uh, I was like, why are they burning his body? Like, I don't understand what is yeah. going on. Um, but, yeah, the whole kind of like, oh, you know, there is there is another. There's always two, and then it pans right to Palpatine, and it's like, yeah, he's right there. And you almost kind of want to scream at the TV because it's like, guys, okay, I, I know he's probably suppressing it. I get it. But still, like you sense it. You've said you sensed it before. So, you know, we got to find it. It's literally right in front of you. Um, but alas, they cannot figure it out until it is too late. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a great ending um, and kind of puts, you know, puts a puts a cap on everything for the movie and then shows you, you know, what's to come. And I feel like, you know, it's something, you know, that I'm assuming even though the movie wasn't very well received, uh, people were excited to to see what came next. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The last thing I will say to close out this discussion here, uh, this episode Mm -hmm. two of one hour movie, um, talking about the Phantom Menace. If you are a fan of Star Wars, if you love Star Wars, or if you are trying to get into Star Wars type of thing, I think that there is a lot to enjoy in this movie. I think if you could set aside any sort of, uh, you know, oh, well, those are the prequels, you know, people, you know, people always said they're not good type of thing. 
um, if you can set aside all that and just experience the movie for what it is, I think you'll really enjoy yourself. Is it a great film? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Definitely not. Uh, it's not the worst Star Wars film. That is 100% fact. Uh, but it is an enjoyable ride. It has amazing characters. Um, a great, great story. And mm-hmm. it gives you the setup of Darth Vader. It gives you the setup of Darth Vader, of the Emperor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, as well as Yoda, the Jedi Council, everything like that. There's so much important stuff set up in this film that this film gives us as Star Wars fans, as film fans, that uh, every time I watch it, I am constantly rewarded and happy with the experience. Can't Mm -hmm. say that for every Star Wars movie. Can't say that for every Star Wars thing. But with this one, I definitely am. Uh, So, with that being said, guys... Thank. Uh, oh yeah. Well, sorry. Real quick, one last question for you. Just this is just something that uh, I I think to me like really stood out about the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you were just watching it, uh, and obviously we're not reviewing the movie, but what where was the moment in the movie where you thought, "Wow, this got really slow," like it was like at a good pace, and then it just all of a sudden was like, "I feel like we've been in the same thing for like an hour." Do you have a certain moment or a certain like kind of group of scenes, I guess? I don't know. Like some, maybe some of the stuff where with like Newt Gunray and like Sidious or whatever, like when they're about to set up the finale, Mm -hmm. I guess Mm -hmm. if I had to pick one, did you have one for, for me, it was when they landed on uh, Coruscant after Tatooine. Yeah. That was when the movie to me like just completely like mm-hmm. slowed to a halt yeah. and I was like cuz then we cuz it's doing like so well. they they like introduce <laughs> Valorum and then it's like Anakin goes to like Padme's office and they're like oh the queen's not yeah. in right now and he's like okay like yeah, yeah there's like a lot of stuff that probably could have been Which was up. that Padme? That was Padme, right? In I the queen's it, Yeah, I think it was. I think it maybe was. Sometimes yeah. I like so then I was like, is that Padme or is that the other, is that the decoy? Yeah. But then I saw the decoy, like, clearly, and I was like, oh, that's obviously the decoy. Yeah. Because, like, it's, it's, it really uh, is yeah. crazy how similar, like, that her and Kira Knightley, like, when they're in that mm-hmm. getup, how identical they look. And I know there's that great behind the scenes right. thing of, like, Natalie Portman's own mother couldn't tell the difference between Kira Knightley and Natalie Portman. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they yeah. really do a good job, um, with that. But, uh, yeah um so with that i think that'll do it for uh this installment of one hour movie thank you so much for joining us talking about star wars episode one the phantom menace from 1999 um join us next week where we will be covering star wars episode two attack of the clones furthering the development and story of padme anakin and obi-wan throughout the prequel trilogy and kicking off the clone wars uh that will do it for me i've been one of your hosts sean monk make sure if you are listening to this on the podcast feeds whatever app you're on make sure to subscribe follow uh add us to your list of podcasts 
And no matter what app you're on, give us a five-star review. It really, really helps to get the podcast out there to more people, to more listeners so that we can grow the audience, grow the community, um, and get more people's thoughts on The Phantom Menace. Uh, and if you are watching this uh, or listening to this on the YouTube video, go ahead and comment below some of your thoughts on The Phantom Menace. Uh, some of your thoughts on the Star Wars prequels in general. If you leave some thoughts on Attack of the Clones, we might even take a look at them next week. Um, but, yeah, that'll do it for me. Uh, yeah, I've been another host, TJ Cornwell. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, leave that five-star rating uh, on the podcast service. Um, don't forget to comment and subscribe on the YouTube channel. Uh, and follow us on all our social medias as well. They will be linked down below in the description. And we will see you next time. Can you help him? I don't know. I didn't actually come here to free slaves.